0: Hello, welcome to What I Wish I'd Known
1: and What I Wish They Knew. We're your hosts, Chelsea
0: and James. Thanks for joining us as we listen to reflections from seasoned ministers and members from the community.
1: We hope this podcast serves to encourage and equip you to better be the church. Joining us in this episode, we have Pastor Chris L. Simmons. Pastor Chris has served the Cornerstone Baptist Church in the South Dallas Fair Park area of Dallas, Texas, since May 1988. He was called to serve as pastor in September 1989. Cornerstone provides a number of free programs to the residents in the community. Some examples include after-school programs, summer day camps, medical clinic, dental clinic, community garden, transitional housing programs, meals for those in need, Clothing Closet, and The Christmas Store.
0: Pastor Chris is a very humble man of God. It is a blessing for me to know him, and I was truly blessed by the time that he spent with us uh, just sharing his heart. And so I know that you will also be blessed as well. So please enjoy Pastor Chris L. Simmons! All right, uh, Pastor Chris, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you taking some time uh, to just visit with us a little bit. We know that you guys have a lot going on, especially during this season. And so we are really thankful for you uh, taking a few minutes to just uh, share with us and our listeners about just you, your own personal ministry and also a little bit about all the great things that you guys have uh, going on at Cornerstone. So thank you for joining us.
2: Well, thank you so much. We have for many years appreciated The work of Dallas Baptist Association and how it has really empowered uh, Cornerstone to to fulfill its mission in the South Dallas Fair Park community.
1: Well, as we kind of get started, um, Pastor Chris, can you tell us a little bit about kind of when you started in full time ministry and how many churches you served?
2: Uh, My story is: I was born in Washington D.C. Little take you back a little bit. I was called to ministry at sixteen, preached my first sermon at seventeen. Wow! uh, When I was a high schooler, uh, I would go to a Bible college in the afternoon, uh, to receive Bible training. And upon graduating from high school, attended full-time Washington Bible college in Washington, DC. Okay. And so after I finished, uh, college in Washington, DC, uh, Bible college, uh, I was looking to go to seminary cause back then I was young and felt like I needed some more training and some to get a little older before I started pastoring. And most of the books that we were, uh, Using were written by Dallas Theological Seminary professors. Ironically, I applied for Dallas Seminary and Southwestern Seminary at the same time
1: Mm.
2: um, and said, uh, whichever seminary accepted me first, that's the one I would go to. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Ironically, the acceptance letter for both of them came the same day. Oh, did it really? (laughs) And so I had some friends that were going to Dallas Seminary, and so I decided to do my Masterwork at Dallas with the goal of doing doctrinal work, doctoral work mm-hmm. at uh, Southwestern, and so in my third year at uh, Dallas Seminary was just looking and praying about a a place to minister, and uh, saw an opportunity to work with an inner city church in South Dallas. Did not plan to stay in, in Dallas upon graduation; just wanted a summer opportunity to engage in ministry and came to Cornerstone in the uh, summer of. 1988 uh, was when I first came. And uh, in 1989, September, Erwin McManus, who was pastor then, wanted to do full-time evangelism and actually went to work full-time at Dallas Baptist Association
1: that's mm-hmm. oh, yes.
2: the church uh, looking for a pastor. And they called me to serve as their pastor in September of 1989. So for the past 32 years, uh, I have served as pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Uh, this is the only church I've ever pastored. And so if it's wow. good, man, or different, this is all I know. This is the right. only I have ever pastored.
0: That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. a that's such a great story. Um so the question that we that we ask everyone that comes on here is what do you wish you had known when you first started ministry that you know now?
2: It's hard work. Yeah, oh. Hard work, very sure. hard work uh there is a misnomer that preachers only work on wednesdays and sundays that is not true it is you are on 24 hours a day it is it is a lot of hard work but it is very rewarding work
0: right
2: um where you get to impact the lives of uh many individuals um yeah and so it is it is not a cakewalk in the park Mm-mm. there's a lot of emotional ups and downs as you minister and serve those in need. Um, And that can really take a toll on you as you begin to internalize Mm -hmm. many of those who you love, whom you love and care about and concern about problems and issues and challenges uh, as your own and trying to help them maneuver some of the most difficult and tough times of their lives. And so uh, I think uh, one of the things that I learned and didn't know, That it would be so, it could be so emotionally draining and very, very tough work where you're on call almost every 24 hours a day. Absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. What's been something that's kind of helped you with that emotional drain?
2: Yeah. So, the thing that really is the wind beneath our wings is the lives that have been impacted and changed as a direct result of the ministry. We serve in a very tough, trying, difficult community uh, in South Dallas Fair Park. Um, And uh, many individuals have written this neighborhood off. Mm. Um, But as we have uh, served in the community, we have found a lot of diamonds in the rough. We have found a lot of individuals whose lives have been impacted and changed and individuals who were once needing the ministry, who are giving back to the ministry. And so the thing that really inspires us and gets us up every morning is the fact that we're serving individuals who are very appreciative and it is, it is evident in their lifestyle changes. It's
1: mm. yeah. mm-hmm. awesome. And so as you kind of look, you know, you mentioned looking at lives that have been changed And as you reflect on kind of your ministry at Cornerstone over these years, could you tell us about maybe some times of blessing as you've served?
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We serve in a very, we're serving in an inner city community with very, mm-hmm. very limited resources. Right. Um, it's a community uh, where uh, less than six, uh, where most residents make less than sixteen thousand dollars a year. So it's a very, wow. very low in- income community. It's a community where uh, our elementary school has four hundred seventeen students, one hundred eleven of them are impoverished. Mm-hmm. Statistics say up to ninety-eight percent of the kids don't have a dad in the home. Fifty-six percent of grandparents are raising at least um, one grandchild. A major donor, a major donor in our church is an individual who gives $10 a week, major donor. And so we, as a result of our commitment to create an indigenous church, we did not want a church where individuals drove into the church and the church did not have any connection with our neighborhood. We really wanted to plan ourselves in this community and wanted our congregation reflective of the neighborhood, but as such, uh, there are very limited resources because people who are on public assistance who don't make that much money a lot of times who don't have a lot of dollars to give. And as a result of being in these impoverished neighborhoods, God has been more than faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though we are a very low income church, we own about um, 32 tracts of land in this neighborhood, 15 buildings, a couple of apartment complexes. We've built houses um we are able to do a number of things and it's really because of the body of christ have really rallied around us to assist us in making a difference in the community so we have been very blessed by our partnership with dallas baptist association a number of churches across the metroplex Mm -hmm. um, have really engaged and have really helped us to do the ministry that we do in this neighborhood. So we don't have any doctor, well, we do have now, but initially we didn't have any doctors in our church, but we run a medical clinic. We don't have dental, we have a dental clinic. We um, have a lot of ministries that we're able to offer to the community. And it is a direct result of us really maximizing our partnership with Dallas Baptist Association and bringing their memberships in those churches to bear on what we do. And their members are engaged and involved in Cornerstone. It is truly a a suburban urban partnership uh with many of our churches across the Metroplex.
0: That's awesome. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ all working together to yes. minister to his children there. That's yeah, that's just such that's amazing. And we I I know that I'm honored to to know you and to know Cornerstone and to be able to send um just some laborers to that to that harvest there. And so we yes. we appreciate that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we can you also just tell us about a more trying time during your ministry? I'm sure that there's been a bunch of them, but if you can just share maybe one or two trying times during your ministry down there.
2: Yes, um, there have been several trying times, um, you know, around the tragic situations of working with families um, that might be in the midst of crisis, uh, mm-hmm. because we are in a community where there's a lot of violence, gang activity, yeah. having to walk with families uh, in the midst of that violence. Um, having young uh, teenagers killed related to gang activity and things of that nature. Um, it has also uh, been very challenging in these in this current uh, pandemic um, right. of having to mm-hmm. bury church members. Uh, because we are an impoverished neighborhood, there is a lot of issues around COVID and the impact on uh, those who are impoverished. And so a lot of individuals have uh, either lost their homes or lost their jobs who are really struggling, um, mm-hmm. and so I would say in my 32 years, <clears throat> this particular season is one of the most difficult because we're having to walk with individuals who have so many areas of uncertainty that they're dealing with on a daily. basis.
1: Right. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from that, um, We also just wanted to, we're wondering if there were one or two things that you did during your ministry that worked really well. So we know that there's trying times, but we also know that there's many times where we do things and and we see abundant blessings from God. So can you share one or two things uh, that has worked really well for you?
2: Yeah. Uh, One thing is the clear uh, exposition of God's word and what we have discovered uh, in this neighborhood is the word of God is really the way to change and transform lives. And we've seen that over Mm -hmm. and over and over again of uh, individuals who have put the principles of discipleship to practice and it has revolutionized uh, their lives. And so that would be one thing is, and so that's why we're really committed to uh, making sure we clearly communicate God's word and the hope that it offers. And seeing live people put those things into practice um so that their lives can be impacted and uh change another one is is being a church that gives and uh as we have given to the community the community has responded well and many of those who were once receivers are now givers uh to the ministry and so those have been two great things of one the exposition of god's word and then using um ministry-based evangelism Mm -hmm. where we meet the needs of those in our particular neighborhood as a way of being able to evangelize because people don't know that you care until you uh, don't care what you know, until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And so we have seen a lot of individuals who have responded. And as a result of responding, they are, they are our champions.
1: That's great. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And then knowing sometimes mistakes are some of our best teachers. (laughs) Are Mm -hmm. there any mistakes that you've made that, and what have you learned from those?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, boy, mistakes. Uh, that that's a little challenging. I, I, I um, not that we've been perfect and things of that nature. Um, but what we have uh, kind of learned is, as we try to pray about everything, mm-hmm. and we we try to listen to counsel of mm-hmm. not only our church members and our community, we can engage our community. Absolutely. Um and other leaders it, it has over the years helped us to steer clear of some very difficult mistakes that would be hard to overcome and right. come out of mm-hmm. and so we've tried to do our homework and listening to the voices Of others and trying to pray and seek godly advice and even advice again from our community. Um yeah, yeah so Um, we don't have many war stories, uh, thankfully to God. Um, Yeah. yeah, Because of that, because we've, again, tried to do our diligence and consider the cost before launching out on certain things.
0: Right. Right. Uh, Pastor Chris, just as a, so you've been at Cornerstone for 32 years Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and when you first got there, what was the influence of the church in that community and how did you kind of come to where you guys are at today?
2: When I first came to Cornerstone, there was a lady by the name of Dolores Cuby here who had came in 1959. She retired in 2004, so I had a long history. And so I am just a newbie, even 32 years in. <laughs> uh, but she had uh, was able to get a number of churches engaged, and the church uh, even in in the early days, early days of the 1950s, was in a challenging neighborhood. And so the when the original angle congregation moved out the Home mission board stepped in and made it a missions center and so In the church's DNA is community outreach and community mm-hmm. involvement and community service and giving back to the neighborhood when I came in 1988 the neighborhood was called a war zone because of a lot of drive-by shooting gang activity mm-hmm. prostitution and things yeah. like that and uh, people were leaving the neighborhood. People were exiting the community. Churches left. Residents left. Businesses um, left. Buildings got torn down, and uh, a lot of churches and urban neighborhoods were leaving the community. And so we asked our church, if we were to leave this neighborhood, would the community miss us? Right. Mm-hmm. And if the community would not miss us, maybe we should go. But if we're going to be here, let's be here to have the greatest impact. And so what we did was try to put our ministry on steroids and really rev up our outreach to the neighborhood and really pick up of engaging the community uh, and meeting the needs of the neighborhood and listening the, to the community. And with the idea of let's listen, and listen to our neighborhood to uh, hear what some of their felt needs are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can we use that as a bridge to share with them their real needs? which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the community has responded. I mean, we still Mm -hmm. have a lot of blight in our neighborhood, but Mm -hmm. again, as I mentioned, the church owns a lot of the property, uh, one Mm -hmm. of the major uh, landowners in the neighborhood. Uh, We've seen a lot of revitalization, homes being built, buildings being transformed, lives being changed, the community having a sense of community pride. Um, There have been other agencies that have worked alongside of us to make that a reality. Uh, things that the church has started, and so we are really excited uh, what the future holds uh, because of the church's involvement in this particular neighborhood, and we, you know, we, as others have said, we've had the privilege of being a cornerstone in this neighborhood. Right, mm-hmm. right.
1: And you mentioned, you know, the importance of listening to the members of the community. So how did y'all go about discovering those needs? Was it just individual conversations or surveys or how did y'all find out what would be the biggest needs?
2: Yeah, one of the things that we oftentimes would see is that people would move into and come into urban communities Mm -hmm. and they would answer questions that the community never asked. Mm. And then they would wonder, why won't the community engage and be involved with our efforts? Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to ask those who were impoverished, how can we help you break cycles of poverty? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we hear committee meetings meeting on poverty, but nobody on the committee is impoverished. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do is we have periodic community meetings. And it's a way also for us to get the community to the church to hear their concerns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We are real uh, involved in what we would call equitable development, Mm -hmm. and that is really around how do we hear the call and concerns of the community and engage them in the process of being part of their answer to those community, and then leveraging the resources that the church has in a neighborhood to bring those resources to bear to address those particular issues. And so Just inviting the community, having periodic community meetings and things like that. Now, another Mm -hmm. thing that we did is we realized that as a church, uh, we had to expand our base to uh, reach and have more resources financially coming in. And so, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we did was we started a separate 501c3 Mm -hmm. called the Cornerstone Community Development Corporation around, uh, and it has as its mission really uh, addressing the needs in our communities. And uh, one of the things that uh, that is required from the city is you have to prove that you are engaging the neighborhood. They don't want development Mm corporations showing up in neighborhoods and you don't have people from the neighborhood on your board. You don't have people from the community. And so uh, not only as a church, but even as a separate nonprofit, the Cornerstone Community Development Corporation, it was incumbent upon Mm -hmm. us to say to the city and others, we're meeting with the neighborhood, and these are the issues and concerns that they're raising that need to be addressed. Right.
1: And so you mentioned, you know, needing to kind of reach out and uh, the networking that y'all have done. Um, Do you have any advice on how to go about networking?
2: Uh, You know, for what we've discovered, networking is so critical and important. Mm -hmm. Um. You can't really do, in our estimation, effective community ministry without networking with the community. Mm-hmm. The community has to be seen as important, and it gives you an opportunity to expand your witness for Christ. And so, um, what we've done is we've identified agencies in our community. One big one in every every neighborhood is their school system.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. of going yeah.
2: into the school and asking the school, "How can we, as a church, serve you?" and mm-hmm. Um, addressing needs um, and, and figuring out how we can meet those needs of community agencies in the neighborhood. Uh, every area is in a city. And yeah, going to the yeah. city and saying, you know, what are some of the, these are some of the issues our community is raising. We as a church are here not here just to dump
1: mm-hmm.
2: all the problems on you, but we want to work with you to ask, how can we address those needs in our particular neighborhood? Um, and then really following through of getting people mm-hmm. engaged and involved and um, networking with schools, city agencies, other nonprofits uh, that are doing great work. <coughs> a lot of times uh, churches move into neighborhoods and they want to re- recreate the wheel. Um, right. mm-hmm. If there's a food pantry in the neighborhood, just because a food pantry is a great thing, you don't need to do a food pantry.
1: Right. 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 They
2: may be another area where uh, you can be expending those in, in the, in the, uh, energies. And so that's why it's really incumbent for churches to become real uh, students of their neighborhood to find out what resources are in a community and where are those gaps of services. Even in even what we've learned, even in inner city communities, there are a lot of assets that mm-hmm. we can really maximize that it is all, not all deficits. Yeah. And really doing some asset base mapping of looking what's in your neighborhood and what's available and who's available and who's mm-hmm. uh, in the community that can help further the mission. Um, yeah. And so really partnering and 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 identifying ways in which um, you can uh, partner with other nonprofits that are doing great things, public right. entities, government agencies, community residents and things of, of that nature. And uh I was in listening to the call on Monday uh for pastors conference and Chelsea. You know, you brought out, and uh you and James brought out a number of ways in which churches can be in, engaged and involved. I mean, we've just um signed up for Care Portal and oh, awesome. it, That's it, awesome. it, it's a great avenue because the school um shares uh needs within mm-hmm. our particular school that we can address. And that Mm -hmm. gives us an opportunity of getting to know that family, going into the home of that family. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, building a relationship with that family, which gives us the avenue to be able to share Christ. And so Care Portal has been a tremendous uh, avenue about meeting needs and uh, around uh, how we can better engage and serve our neighborhood.
1: Great. Well, and I know you mentioned the church already had a community focus when you came. Um, But to continue that, you know, the pastor has to have that vision and heart for the community. So what kind of led you to still have that heart and focus for your community?
2: Yeah. One thing that we wanted to do is build a strong church in the inner city. Mm -hmm. And we realized we could not build a strong church in an inner city without people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in order to have people in your church, you have to reach them. Yes. Yes. And in order to reach them, you have to meet there and and build relationships with them. I think church growth is about relationship building,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: in order to do that, that's what we had to spend a lot of time doing is building relationships with our community. And as I said, over the years, the community has graciously responded um, and recognized the work of the church in the community.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned y'all have kind of acquired property in the community. Can you briefly explain to some of our listeners who might not be familiar, um, just a few of the things that y'all have done with that property?
2: Yeah. So we've acquired a number of properties in the neighborhood. Many of the properties, because of the nature of the neighborhood, were dilapidated. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were used for anything imaginable, from Mm -hmm. drugs, from prostitution, liquor stores, and things of that nature. And so um, three abandoned houses right behind the church. One is now uh, the Center of Economic Opportunity, where we work with community residents to help them to transition from being what we call one-apreneurs to entrepreneurs.
0: Awesome. And helping Mm
2: -hmm. things like writing business plans and having volunteers to teach them QuickBooks and things of that nature, of developing business owners in our neighborhood. Another one is uh, Viola's house where we assist teenage pregnant girls who are homeless and pregnant, but want to choose life for their unborn babies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a result of that uh, our outreach of that ministry also allows us to um, work with community residents by providing services like providing di- diapers and other baby needs to assist those families. Another one is a, uh, after school program where we work with an organization called Hope Farms. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Working with teenage, I'm sorry, working with boys in grades K through 12 who don't have a home and a a dad in the home. And that's the majority of our neighborhood. Um, We've purchased uh, a plaza that was once a community nuisance with drugs and alcohol and gang activity and illegal gambling. Uh, We've put in the first laundromat in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, We are opening and waiting on the city to give us our final CO. We'll be putting in a community market. Um, We are working and the city just granted us uh, $390,000 to put in shared commercial kitchen space.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
2: A liquor store, a former liquor store is uh, the home of our bike shop where we work with community Mm -hmm. residents where they can earn a bike and learn how to repair their bikes and learn how to engage in bike safety. Um, An apartment complex that was once for drugs and alcohol is now our Trinity Restoration where we work with guys coming out of prison and uh, have 32 yeah. bees to assist them. Um, we have a formal drug house. That's a phase two of our Trinity house apartment complex, 28 units that was once drug infested. That is now affordable housing for the neighborhood, a number of, of land, vacant land that we built on to build affordable um, houses. <clears throat> and so trying to, again, study the neighborhood mm-hmm. to take advantage of resources and really um. Listening intently to God, where is God at work? As Henry Backaby would say, and experiencing God, yeah. and really joining God in His work. And what we've discovered is, if God is laying out pathways, it is much easier to lay out to to, to follow a path that God has laid and led led you on than mm-hmm. to try to create your own. So I would mm-hmm. say, to churches and individuals and ministers, always make sure you are tuned to what God is saying. We all learned early on in our Christian journey, Proverbs three five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your all own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me, he will direct your path. And really what mm-hmm. we've learned is that is so critical and important that mm-hmm. as you're serving in neighborhoods and even your own journeys is to make sure you're listening in, in to God because God will direct your path. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, also,
0: Pastor Chris, just you guys, it, all of the people that are serving uh, with Cornerstone and all the ministries, they aren't people that just come from outside. A lot of the people there are uh, from the community itself. Is that correct?
2: Yes. And that's part of our strategy as well, because what we wanted to do uh, is really build networks of relationships between South Dallas and North Dallas. Right. Mm-hmm. And initially, uh, a lot of our resources came from North Dallas but we wanted people in the neighborhood to really engage. It breaks all kinds of barriers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, uh, racial barriers and cultural barriers and things of that nature. And so over the years, what uh, we have discovered through these uh, relationships, if people are working together, serving in the kitchen or the clothes closet or whatever area of ministry is real genuine relationships develop where individuals feel like these are not somebody I'm just serving with. This is my friend. Mm -hmm. And so It's interesting to see people asking people from the neighborhood to be a part of their weddings or (laughs) they're going through a tragedy. They'll go celebrate and and cry with them together as they go Mm -hmm. through funerals or the loss of a loved one, um, Mm -hmm. visiting a a loved one in prison. I mean, it's really developing deep, meaningful, genuine relationships between North Dallas and South Dallas that otherwise would not have taken place. And so we continue to really encourage those kinds of partnerships. We don't want to be a neighborhood where we're saying we only want people in South Dallas to engage in the ministry or we want just people from the outside engaging. We Mm -hmm. want that migration and that cross-cultural experience of taking places, Um, seeing them become Facebook friends and commenting on each other's posts (laughs) and encouraging them. It it just really Mm -hmm. means so much, uh, I think, to individuals in both communities. And And we oftentimes hear Uh, from people in North Dallas, that it's a win-win situation. We thought we were coming to uh, give, but we received much more than we could have ever given.
1: Right, right, right. Right. Good. And of course, y'all have been at this, Cornerstone's been involved in the community from the get-go. But if a pastor or church leader um, is listening and they realize, you know what, we really need to reach out to our community, what are some of the first steps they could take to do that?
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, pray, pray, pray. Pray, 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 and uh, you know, and 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 people, uh, you know, oftentimes thinks that's the the pack answer. Um, I, I think prayer is so critical and important. Uh, when I came Absolutely. to Cornerstone, uh, one of our partners was First Baptist Church of Richardson, and for the past thirty two years, every month that we we have a prayer team that prays specifically for the work of Cornerstone in South Dallas. Mm. So. Praying, getting other people to pray, Uh, and then I think starting small. Um, Mm -hmm. I tell people Rome was not built in a day because Rome did not get destroyed in a day. It it takes time to rebuild, and being patient and um, asking God. What are some of the small wins that we can have? Never promise anything to the neighborhood that you can't deliver. And so Mm -hmm. we start. We started very very small, of just providing things like Christmas gifts for a few kids. and then over the years, we, you know, we may do 1200 1300 a year, but it didn't start out that way. It may start it out with two or three families or end mm-hmm. of It's um, starting small and then just being, again, sensitive to the needs of those in the neighborhood. Right. The way you create that sensitivity is engaging people from your neighborhood and having dialogue with them.
0: Mm-hmm. If a young minister just starting out asked you for some advice, like if you could go and sit down with them and just have a
2: conversation with them, what would you share with them? Humility. Mm. Humility. 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 Uh, understand you were called there as the preacher It'll take you a while to become the pastor. <laughs> okay. and, and, and don't get it confused. Uh, right. <laughs> you are the preacher right now. Eventually, over time, you will become the pastor. Love your people. Mm. Love your people. Love them. Uh, have genuine, I mean, literally cry with them, walk with them, rejoice with them, love your people. And what we discovered, if you love, uh, your people, they will love you back. Um, and, mm-hmm. right. and, 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 and come as Jesus says with a servant mentality, I, I have not come here to be served, but to serve and to really give my life, uh, for the betterment of those, uh, in the neighborhood and, 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 and making sure you do that. Don't go in there trying to be the Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Realize that when you're gone, they will find another pastor. Right. And when you die, If you're not great, they won't remember you. If you're great, they may remember you with a (laughs) paragraph. So uh, don't neglect your family. Don't put your family on the altar. Um, So make sure you take care and love your family and love your family well. Mm -hmm. Before we get to our
0: last question, Pastor, um, is there anything that you want to say to anybody who's listening? We have listeners that are church leaders. Most of them are church leaders. So is there anything that we have not asked you that you want to uh, be able to say?
2: I think you've covered it all. And, um, you know, I think that serving as the church is one of the greatest privileges that uh, God affords us to be able to have a position of influence and leadership um, to touch the lives of so many uh, Mm -hmm. in a very tangible way. And I think that it is a position of honor. And I think it needs to be respected as such that um, God has called us to be influencers, not only just in the church, but also in our community. And I think that as we are influences in our church, um, that really, uh, flows out to our community. It really helps us to have a tremendous kingdom impact. And that's really what it's all about. That's right. right.
0: That's right. Well, for our last question on here, uh, we always like to pull out our trusty wheel of questions. Okay. And so what we'll do, it's our wheel of random questions. We have each number on the wheel is representative of just a random question that we would love to hear from you on. Okay. So I'm going to spin it and then Chelsea will ask you the question.
2: Okay. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> Reminds me of the wheel of fortune. Yeah. <laughs> it's very wheel of fortune. It uh, looks like we got All question Number one. one. Question one.
1: Okay. Pastor Chris, question number one is who is your favorite hero in fiction?
2: In fiction, uh, the Black Panther. Black Panther is a great answer. I was really hoping you would say Black Panther. <laughs> uh, the Black, and of course, that's a recent, recent phenomenon. But we really, I, I think he is a great uh, individual, and I think a role model, particularly in 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 communities of color that yeah. oftentimes have not seen that. And it is uh really has been a a self esteem booster over the years to have him uh, engaged. And seeing great things happen uh, in Wakanda because of it.
0: Absolutely. Perfect. My my boys are huge Black Panther fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's great. Uh, Pastor Chris, thank you so much for taking some time. We know you're busy, but we appreciate you taking some time out just to uh, share with us. And, and we love hearing from you. And we, both of us, I know for sure, love Cornerstone and love mm-hmm. you and love the ministry that God is doing through you guys uh, in South
2: Dallas. Well, we appreciate it. And then, as I said, over th- the last 32 years, Dallas Baptist Association has been our greatest champion. And um, the way they have um, gotten churches to serve in the city uh, has been tremendous. And we are very humbled that uh, our association for so many years have entrusted those individuals who are looking to serve in the city to partner with us. And so we are very grateful, not only um in the dallas area but as churches would call across the met across mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm.
0: right? and we're
2: looking to do missions in, in dallas they would oftentimes call us and as a result many of those relationships have gone on for decades mm. for decades um we have a bsm from uh wisconsin that they connected it to and i think this year if it wasn't for covid it would have been their 15th year down wow, wow. that's so, great Many of the partners that Dallas Baptist Association has engaged us with, we have been able to maintain those relationships for long periods of time, for decades. And so we're really grateful um, for your leadership and for DBA's leadership for many, many years. Uh, When I came in 1988 and was trying to figure it out, we are appreciative of the staff that would come down and just pray with us and give Mm. guidance Mm. and really was working to do the the, whatever we needed to do to make our work successful uh, in the neighborhood by providing, by providing so much encouragement. And so we're so indebted and grateful to the work of our
1: association. Mm. Mm. Well, we sure appreciate Cornerstone and your leadership, Pastor Chris. And we are definitely so blessed to be in association with such great churches and partners. Absolutely. So thank you for being a part of that.
2: Well, thank you so much. God bless All you. All right. You too.
0: Have a good day. I really love the work that Cornerstone Baptist Church and Pastor Chris are doing uh, in South Dallas. It is quite literally changing that community mm-hmm. and making an impact for Christ in an area where it's hard and a lot of people, organizations, not even necessarily churches, but just community organizations are unable to, to do work. And so they're they're doing that work. Uh, and they're doing it in a way that is God honoring and gospel transforming. And so mm-hmm. that, is, that is special. And so it was really awesome. We, we recorded that interview during the Christmas season, which the needs are so much high, so high during that time. So I know that he was busy. And even mm-hmm. in, in the interview, you could probably hear some background noise sometimes. And that's things going on in his office while he's doing this interview, because right. it's just, there's so much going on.
1: The ministry doesn't stop.
0: It doesn't. Even when you're interviewing, having one of the most important interviews of your life, <laughs> it still keeps moving. And so there's, there was some background noise a couple of times in there. Uh, we were thankful that he took that time uh, just to be with us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I am looking forward to just talking a little bit about some of the things that he said, because I think that there are lessons that we can really carry with us in any leadership role church especially but really i think in in life to be better humans to our community um, that he talked about so i'm i'm looking forward to to talking about some of those things where chelsea would you like for us to start on that list
1: well as we listen to Pastor Chris over and over again, um, I think you get the importance of relationships. he brings that up very often and so I think maybe let's start there with just the importance of building relationships
0: yeah I mean the the, the financial stability of Cornerstone is based on relationships because he talked about how the average person in their community they're an indigenous church, People in that community come to their church, which is what a business church means. And so the people in that community average income, he said, was $16,000 a year, mm-hmm. which is nothing uh, in a, for American standards, especially Dallas standards. And he said that one of the major donors from his church, which number one, in a, in a community like that, to have major donors is impressive in and of itself. And so one of the major donors of his church, he said, gives $10 a week. Mm-hmm. And so for anybody who works in a church, it does not it's not hard to realize that if a major donor is giving $10 a week, that that's not really going to be able to sustain the ministry um, that that church is doing or, or that any church needs to do. So it's through those relationships and partnerships with the body of Christ that enable Cornerstone Baptist Church to do some pretty impressive community work now. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the body of Christ working together, Chris mentioned uh, kind of the North Dallas folks from North Dallas and f- folks from South Dallas actually becoming um, friends and family mm-hmm. through min- working in ministry together um, through Cornerstone. And so that is an impressive feat. Really, if you're not from this area, you don't understand kind of the differences between folks who live in North Dallas and folks who live in South Dallas. They are stark, there's a stark difference between the two of them. And so one group um, doesn't necessarily intermingle with the other group. And if you were a cultured person like me, you would probably make the comparison that it's kind of like the Capulets and the Montagues from Romeo and Juliet in such a way that they just don't usually socialize together. There isn't as much of a rift between the two as there probably were between those families, but being as cultured as I am, I understand making that kind of an analogy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have used that one, but it's we'll maybe stronger there. than it is. <laughs> but the
0: point is they don't, they, they usually don't intermingle together. And right. Chris talked about how through working alongside each other, being elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. not elbow to elbow, but shoulder to shoulder, well, which
1: hey, is, it's social distancing. We can that do
0: That's elbow a that. So we'll do elbow to elbow this time, or maybe elbow to shoulder. But working alongside each other and doing ministry together has bonded them. And mm-hmm. so many of the people from uh, from South Dallas and from North Dallas talk about the mutual benefit that they both receive from being together. And he talked about how they're not just Facebook friends, but they're in each other's weddings. They are attending family funerals. Mm-hmm. They are family and they are um, unified together through this common cause.
1: Right. I think it's easy sometimes to think of our church just in terms of our congregation and we forget that we're part of a larger body of Christ and when that larger body of Christ comes together it benefits everybody not right. just one church that's receiving help but everybody has a benefit to to coming together and the body of Christ coming together is just such a testimony to the unity that we have in Christ. And I think that shines within the community. The community can see that and take note. And actually, you know, Pastor Chris mentioned especially the importance of building those relationships with community members.
0: Right. And so they t- they took time to engage the community and ask the community what their felt needs were Mm -hmm. Instead of just coming in with an idea that they knew what was best for the community, Mm -hmm. they heard from the community. And then the body of Christ came together and met, worked on meeting the needs that the community itself identified.
1: And, you know, Pastor Chris mentioned asking people who are actually in poverty what their challenges are and what would be helpful to them. And then, you know, making and engaging them in part of the solutions.
0: Which is the best way to to really help someone is to ask them what their needs are because they know their mm-hmm. needs instead of going in and saying hey you know what you're living in poverty things aren't great for you you can barely meet your house your, house, your rent payment mm-hmm. every week instead of telling them what their issues are ask them like what they think is going to help with their issues they're fully aware of what the problem is mm-hmm. and odds are pretty good that they know or have an idea of how to overcome but they just aren't resourced in a way that allows it to happen. And so by listening, you can use resources that you have in order to help them to overcome that self. And then they also have more um, more kind of stake in the game. I can't have more stake in the game than it actually being you. But <laughs> <laughs> there's this kind of sense of accomplishment for them because they were a part of the solution.
1: Yes, And that's how those empowering relationships develop when both parties are working together. It's not just one group doing, offering all the solutions and things, but everybody's working together. So that's really important. Um, And part of that, as you heard mentioned in the interview, is asset-based developments. And that's, so not only are we partnering with other churches, not only are we partnering with people who live in the community, But we're also looking at who God has brought to the community in terms of resources. So, organizations that are already there, city entities, nonprofits, you know, any person or group um, that God has placed in that community.
0: Right. And it's, there's every community has assets. Mm -hmm. And so, sometimes I think that we walk in, especially and have this kind of mission trip mentality where we have all the answers. We have all the good stuff. We're going to come in and give it to you and you'll just be thankful for it. And then Mm -hmm. we're, then we leave. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And that's not an effective way of changing a community.
1: Right. And it's also negating the sovereignty of God, like God is in that community before you got there. God was there. (laughs) Right. He's a resource to that community as well. And so part of asset-based development is recognizing that God is already at work in that community and looking at what he's brought there and then thinking, is that something we need to join with so we don't have to reinvent the wheel right. or is that a need being met? And so we can look at other areas that maybe need more assistance, um, but recognizing, and it's also a lot better to start with the good instead of what's lacking.
0: Right. No, exactly. And in my experience, I have found that coming alongside where God is already working is a million times more effective than just trying to do what I think is best. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So if you have that opportunity, I would say go that route.
1: Yes. And I don't think people enjoy people coming into their community, telling them all the things that are wrong with their community (laughs) instead of recognizing the things that are already there.
0: Right. Exactly. Just you're not uh i want to say that you're not their dad but i feel like that might be condescending so i won't say (laughs) it but you're not their dad the uh and the the other part of this assays asset-based development idea is that it's not an overnight um fix to this deal it takes a lot of time yes
1: we have to really adjust expectations when we start to focus on relational ministry more than programmatic ministry. I think Uh, for example, one of the measures that pastor Chris mentioned, which I love and I think is an excellent marker is simply the question of if our church left, would the community miss us?
0: What a hard question to ask. Yes. And could be a tough question to answer Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a lot of churches that um don't take that into consideration and i say that just because there's a lot of churches that move move neighborhoods move communities right things aren't going great or things have changed and so instead of changing with their community they just hop communities out Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the community doesn't miss them
1: right 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 but you know, God's placed that church in the community for a reason, and it is to reach out and share the love of Christ with our neighborhoods. And so, in order to get a great answer to that, um, we have to realize that it takes time to establish those relationships with the community. And that means we're going to have to devote time to building those relationships and scheduling that time and prioritizing that time, which is not always easy because I think sometimes we see community outreach as an extra. If we have extra resources, then we can put it in the community. If we have extra time outside of inside church activities, then we can (laughs) step out in the community. Um, But we really need to shift into making relationship building a priority that that is part of what we're called to do. And it is a priority in resources, which include time and finances.
0: Absolutely. And what's funny is from a church perspective, sometimes when our attendance starts to go down, Mm -hmm. we really kind of tighten the belt and focus on, like you said, focus on the inside. Mm -hmm. When if we started to focus on the outside and the relationships outside of the church, You would, prob- you would see growth in your church because those people would become a part of that church and start coming to maybe not your Sunday mornings, but other programs. And so it's about kind of changing what the wind looks like for your church.
1: Yes. So the way we're going to measure that is going to be very different than maybe our traditional measures where we use statistics of how many people are coming to, you know, service or Sunday school, um, what the tithing looks like and things like that. Um, so we're going to shift from stats to really focusing more so on stories and those small victories of relationship development.
0: Yeah. And we I think we've talked about it before uh, in a, in a couple of different Uh, episodes, podcasts that sometimes that's the best way is just to celebrate the small victories that you have. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking for that huge impact, enjoy the smaller ones because those smaller ones add up to something that could be great that you were not even expecting. And so if we just take it just a little bit at a time, enjoy the moments, the small moments that we get following the path that God has laid, he can do great things through that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: great and unexpected things.
1: Yes. And so what would be some examples of those small victories?
0: Anytime you can establish a relationship with someone from your community that is not involved in your church, that's mm-hmm. a small victory. Yes. Whether they are coming to your church or not, if you have established a relationship, if you can remember them, if they remember you, mm-hmm. if you can have an impact in their life in even a small way that makes you a part of it, You may not see um, instant kind of benefits from that, but that is a small victory in that you are becoming a part of the place where God has placed you to minister.
1: Yes. So it can be as simple as, hey, I met someone new. We had a conversation. That's a small victory to celebrate because who knows where God's going to take that.
0: Absolutely. And so it's in these, it's celebrating those times and seeing God working in those times that can sustain you through those kind of tougher tougher times where it's a little bit harder to find a victory, because those times come too.
1: Yes, because it's it's challenging when you're building relationships with anybody. Um, relationships come with challenges. So it's always good to see that, hey, we can celebrate this because we do see that God is working.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: And then also, you know, as we talk about maybe shifting expectations, Um, We mentioned the asset-based development, which includes kind of inventorying your community and seeing different organizations and people that are working there and serving there. Um, Sometimes there can be a little bit of hesitation in working with the community of, oh, we're not just serving alongside people who are Baptist or (laughs) people are, you know, part of our church. And so that can make a lot of people nervous, I think. Yeah. Um, There's a helpful book called To Transform a City by Eric Swanson and Sam Williams. And in that book, a little bit, they ask some questions that I think help people navigate those challenges. Um, And the questions are, we traditionally think of, do you believe the way I believe? And that is an important question. And those are definitely things um, that we're asking when we talk about things like Bible study or discipleship and things like that. That's a super important question to have. And so when we're doing those types of activities, that kind of limits, you know, you need to believe the way I believe so that we can accomplish this together. Uh, But when we're doing community development, we kind of shift the question to do you care about what I care about? And so if, for example, there are food security issues in the community um, and you look around and there's a nonprofit that provides summer meals um, for kids when they're out of school. And maybe there's a different congregation in the church, um, you know, that is also doing, you know, weekly food boxes or something in the community. And then you have a city organization that's trying to um, fix policies and food deserts or something like that. All of those organizations care about food security for that community, um, and so we're going to kind of put on a missionary mindset when we're working in the community, and saying if we work together, then we can also have opportunity to develop relationships with other people, um, even though they may not believe what we believe. That gives us an opportunity to establish those relationships, work together, and see where God leads um, that to develop.
0: Right, and so we. We are able to do effective ministry with people who may not believe the exact same way that we do, Mm -hmm. with people who may not even believe that there is a Jesus. Mm -hmm. And those people are still able to do work that blesses Jesus, even though they don't believe. And so we lose sight of that. I've lost sight of that. Um, And we think that for whatever reason, that if People don't believe like we do that we aren't allowed to work with them,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: that they're that, or that they're the mission.
1: Right. And So
0: that's not that's not true. That's just not true.
1: Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, shifting that expectation that we may be partnering, or maybe not even partnering, but noticing and taking notes, and and seeing that there are groups out there that are caring about these things, um, that we can tackle those issues together.
0: Yeah. There's no reason to have five different groups trying to accomplish the same, um, tackle the same issue independently of each other in the same area. Right. right, right, right. There becomes a point to where it's not helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, God may use those relationships too. So another opportunity.
0: Absolutely. There is a chance that maybe the group who doesn't believe in Christ starts believing in Christ from seeing and working with seeing Christ working in you while you guys work alongside each other. Yes. That is not outside of the realm of the work of the Holy spirit.
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I know that makes a lot of people nervous, you know, um, because you're going to encounter all kinds of people. But I think the important thing is, and pastor Chris mentioned this too, is that we really need to be directed by God in praying and seeking um, where he is calling us to serve and what he's calling us to do.
0: Absolutely. And he talked about, we asked him as we ask all of our our guests, we asked him kind of what kind of mistakes have you made and what have you learned from? Mm -hmm. And he had a tough time coming up with an answer. And I think felt a little bit, it feels a little bit kind of um, awkward or boastful to say, we haven't really had a lot of major mistakes, but the reason he, the reason was awesome. Cause mm-hmm. he didn't say, because we're really smart or because I have the right people around me. He said, because we just depend on God, mm-hmm. we depend on him. We pray and we follow his lead. And because of that, we haven't made a ton of, of, uh, we haven't had any kind of major mishaps.
1: Yes. And I loved, you know, he mentioned that being sure to let god lay the path and direct the path which again is a right. lot easier than us trying to forge our own way in right things
0: so that's
1: super important
0: that's kind of it's a i mean it's it's also one of those kind of easy to say hard to do things mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to just wait and to allow and to listen and to just be sensitive to god's leading mm-hmm. um when stuff is happening all around you yes it takes a it takes just a real dedicated to God and to, and trusting and placing all of your trust and hope in him and believing and knowing that he's going to lead and guide you the right way. Yes. Faithful. That's the word I'm looking
1: for. And mm-hmm. as you shift from kind of program driven ministry to relational driven ministry, um, you really have to rely on the Holy spirit to guide you in those relationships. And so one of the key factors is praying, praying, and some more praying so that you're constantly seeking his direction and guidance and noticing those opportunities that he's given you in the community um, to make those connections.
0: Prayerful guidance. I even think that you truncated his praying. I think he said it five or six times. Pray, 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 pray. pray. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) And it's not a cliche thing. I mean, you really do need to be spending time with him so that he can show you those things. And that is so crucial um to any ministry is prayer
0: one hundred percent with any of the stuff that we do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is a lesson that transcends just community ministry and everything else. I mean, in anything that we do, we should take it to God first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I appreciate that that's how it's um it's humbling to know that that's how they've been that's how they've been led the whole time Mm -hmm. and that they've always just depended upon prayer and upon god to do everything and you can clearly see how god has done tremendously more Mm. in south dallas fair park because of their faithfulness to god than you could ever possibly imagine. I, I bet if we, in 1988, I think when he started, if you would have said, Hey, hey Pastor Chris, do you think, or <laughs> you're going to own most of the property in this area? Like this church is going to be the owner of most of the property in this area. He probably would have just had a heart attack in that moment. No way that's possible. And yet here we are 30 some odd years later, and that's the that's the case. Like there it is. They own and are doing things that are just incredible,
1: right? Because and, of
0: their faithfulness.
1: And you noted thirty plus years later, so yeah, <laughs> again, <right>. emphasizing <laughs> that it takes time. Yeah, <laughs> it takes time.
0: It did not happen overnight. That is for sure. But they continue to do great things there, and so I would encourage anybody who is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area if you are looking for an opportunity to get involved in a community or with a church that is in a a tough spot, a tough location, but doing some great things, I would encourage you to to reach out to Cornerstone because they have opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity for you to get plugged into what God's doing down there. So the best way to kind of get plugged in with them and to find out what's going on down there is to go to their website, which is cornerstonedallas.org cornerstone.dallas.org. They are involved in a lot of stuff. And if you look at what we do, you can see a list of the um, nonprofits that they have going on through there. There's also things that they have going on at the church. They have the um, shower and clothes closet. There are so many opportunities down there that are directly impacting that community. And what's awesome, and uh, Chris even talked about it a little bit, is that when you go down there and serve, you see People who live in that community, already serving there, and giving there, and working there, and so it's awesome to see uh, that as well. But, and I can't, I can't recommend Cornerstone Baptist Church any more than I already do.
1: (laughs) And if you're not in the area, um, it's a great time to look around at networks of churches and things that may be in your area like associations or other partnering church organizations.
0: Right, who you can reach out to to get in contact with people like that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the church from Wisconsin that called um Dallas Baptist Association looking for an opportunity to serve down here and we connected them with Cornerstone and that was I think he said if over 15 years ago. Right. And they're still coming back mm-hmm. every year except for covid. And so every every community has something like that, whether it's an association or another group of folks who are, are kind of serving out there already. Um,
1: yes. Just making sure you're serving connect. the broader body of Christ.
0: Right. Good way to get connected. Well, Chelsea, I thought that uh, pastor Chris was great. And I think that the stuff that they're doing, I, I, I've probably said it a hundred times during this podcast. I think the stuff they're doing is just amazing. And mm-hmm. that God is truly doing a, a real work in south dallas fair park area Mm -hmm. That, that is a tough tough mission field for sure and so as we do i would like for us to just kind of give a challenge to our listeners and to um just encourage them to get out into their community and do something from what we learned from pastor chris so what what do you think The challenge could should be for uh pastor for this this interview, this podcast.
1: Well, I think for this episode, our challenge is going to be get ready, James. We're gonna go on a treasure hunt.
0: I love treasure.
1: Good. And the good thing about this is there are no maps or shovels required. So I like
0: shovels too, though. I should say
1: that. I'm sorry. I mean you can bring one if you want, but I'm in. You may not have need for it. So for this episode, our challenge is going to be to do a little bit of community asset mapping. Um, And that's a really fancy term. But all it means is to kind of take inventory of the resources that are in your community. And uh, starting places for that could be city organizations that you know are in your community, nonprofits, um, programs, any type of public institution. So that could be schools. It could be um, even, you know, various services, health services. Um, It could be a wide range of after-school programs or um, community college courses that can be offered. Whatever is within your community, um, start kind of making a map of the resources that God has already placed there. That could even be individuals that have right. certain talents or trainings, um, or it could be, again, nonprofits or other organizations that are serving there.
0: And Chelsea, I while you were laying that challenge out, I just went to the internet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as people do. And I went to that website called Google, oh, yeah. as some of us are familiar with. And I typed in community asset mapping. Mm-hmm. since that's the challenge it is because there could be some people who don't fully understand what that means even with our very clear explanation and so <laughs> that was kind of condescending so i apologize for <laughs> that's
1: quite all right i think i was lacking though. in the description there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there are so many resources on just this idea of community asset mapping it's not a new idea mm-hmm. right but it's an idea that i think a lot of us especially maybe in the church don't think about or don't do, and so mm-hmm. there are. I will. I will say nine, 90,500,000 results.
1: Is that just a guess? Estimate, That's a, a random data
0: number data. that I just came off. Of the, as I have cycled through these, I think I've looked at about ninety million. There you go, ninety point five. Million of them. Um, but there's a lot of op- opportunities out there. We encourage you to properly vet the ones that you're looking at a little mm-hmm. bit um, mm-hmm. to make sure that they are kind of good and and quality, but there's a ton of examples out there that you can look at that'll kind of help point you in the right direction that are super simple to really complex, whatever Mm -hmm. kind of fits in, in your context.
1: Yes, for all of our visual learners out there, um, you can get examples of maps that you can use and charts and graphs and things like that, which will help explain this. Um, But you don't have to get that fancy. I mean, it can be just a written down list of some things um, that you notice that God has placed within your community. Uh, but that's a challenge. So whether you want to make a complex diagram or it's just a written down <laughs> piece of paper on the back of right. a receipt you had laying around. Um, but during these next couple of weeks, if you will start to look at who God has brought to your community and the resources he has placed there. So start taking note of some of the assets that are located in the community you're serving.
0: And let me ask a follow-up question to that challenge, Chelsea. Sure. What- is the benefit of community asset mapping for us?
1: Mm, there are lots of benefits. A few of them are going to be um, realizing you don't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch with a lot of things. Um, so if you're noticing needs within the community that you're serving and you're hearing from members of the community that these are concerns, um, there may already be some resources that can help um, you know alleviate those needs that are there. So that's one of the benefits. Another benefit may be that there is a partnership opportunity, so you can join in with something that's going on there. And then um, a third benefit is that maybe you can see where some gaps are. Maybe you have a lot of resources concentrated around a certain um, topic, issue, or need, but maybe something else doesn't have any support. And so that kind of helps in planning and looking and caring for your community.
0: Perfect. That's great. There and that those are only a few of the many
1: yes. benefits
0: yes. to it. Another I, I used to work um at a church and I handled some benevolent stuff a lot mm-hmm. of times. So mm-hmm. we would have people come in off the street and they would ask for any it could be any number of things. Right. And having that a list like that in that moment for me would have enabled me to be able to better really help mm-hmm. that person that came in to point them in a direction of maybe some assets in our community that could help them better than our church could. So mm-hmm. uh, there are so many benefits to it. And we, our prayers that you take a little bit of time just to get to know it, to make a list, to have it at the ready, and just to see what God does through that. I think that's a fun and helpful challenge.
1: Yes. So have fun treasure hunting.
0: And be helpful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that that um, wraps us up. Thank God for Chris Simmons and Cornerstone Baptist Church Mm -hmm. and the work that he that God continues to do in that area. And for him taking some time just to share some of the amazing wisdom and knowledge that he's gained over over 30 years of ministry down there.
1: Yes, we so appreciate Pastor Chris and sharing that beautiful reminder of connecting with our community and listening and building those relationships. Thanks for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on your choice of podcast platform.
0: Or visit dba.net slash blog, B-L-O-G to catch the latest episodes of What I Wish I'd Known.
1: And What I Wish They Knew. Until next time.
0: Go and be.